you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast or you just want to talk, please reach out to someone for help and support. You can also get in touch with Man Blues via manblues at gmx.com. We also have a presence on Twitter or X, as well as on Instagram and Mastodon. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and this is Man Blues. This week's episode is about being an experienced cynic. Hello and welcome to Man Blues, and that's a difficult set of words to put together. An experienced cynic. There's a lot of in that. I do apologise for that. But what do I mean? What on earth do I mean by being an experienced cynic? I've said it again. Well, I've been doing my job for a while now where I work. I work for a government organisation. So you can imagine that it can take a while for certain decisions to be made and certain projects to get off the ground. And one hopes that in the private sector it's a little better, a little more fluid. But I suspect strongly that most of the ideas come from the top down. Now the problem with a top down idea is those at the top are often very divorced from what's going on at the bottom. And how many times have we been in meetings or been in situations where someone from the top has said wouldn't it be great if and then you at your particular position in that hierarchy have thought those down there aren't going to want that or even us down here aren't going to want that sometimes people are just too darn busy doing their jobs to actually take on any kind of new wouldn't it be great ideas from those above them and the other side of it is is that these things tend, in my experience, or in my cynicism, they tend to come round again and again and again. You seem to be faced with the same crazy, half-cooked, half-baked ideas from those at the top, thinking, if we throw money at this problem, it will go away. But none of what gets taken on board is that in order for that problem to be made to go away, even with funding, people have got to sit there and make it happen. They've got to realise that dream. And they've got to realise that idea. And if that doesn't happen, well, who gets blamed? Not the person at the top who had the crazy, half-baked, half-brained idea, but the people at the bottom who didn't make it happen. So what that does in my case, and how it affects my man blues, is it leads me to be incredibly cynical towards new ideas. I'm often that negative voice in those meetings that sits there and says, well, this isn't going to work. There's no chance that's going to get done in that amount of time. And all the myriad factors that push into something like this, you just sit there and you kind of go, it's not going to happen. I just don't see it happening. And the thing is, when you've got too much experience of things going wrong or not working out, it definitely has this impact on your outlook. As I say, I'm the one sitting in the meetings going, we've heard this idea before, we've heard this concept before, none of it worked out. And as I say, this can be in the work environment or anywhere, really. My mother used to have this self-fulfilling prophecy way of speaking to me along the lines of, well, you tried, you failed, so just give up. And why did you bother with that? You were never going to do well. Well, of course, what we now realise is, is if you tell someone, if you set someone up to fail, and then when they fail, you point out that they failed, that doesn't mean that you had foresight. That just means that you've set somebody up to fail and then they fail. You've not proven anything there. You've not determined that person's character. But it does, in my case, 
translate now into how I see other people approaching anything. My wife despairs of how I approach things. So she's having to deal with the fact that anytime she wants to bring forward an idea, she knows there's going to be pushback. Yeah, we've been together for 25 years. It's a long time to get to know one another. And eventually I get to a point where I just think, do you know what? I've been right. She's been right. We've both been wrong. Let's just see how this one's going to play out. And I'm learning a lot from her because of her relentless positivity with lots of things. She expects successful outcomes and copes with the upset if it fails. I expect failure and I'm either surprised something worked or I'm happy that I was proven right. And nobody loves a smug person saying, I told you so. But that is what I do. But the reason I do it is because it's happened so many times before that people have come to me with harebrained ideas and I've immediately gone, well, it didn't work the last 15 times, so why do you think the 16th time is a charm? It isn't, it won't be, it's going to fail for exactly the same reasons. So what's my problem? My problem is, am I making things turn out bad? Am I influencing the outcome of these things because of my experience slash cynicism? Does this attitude of mine lead to them not working out because I'm less engaged in it? Because I believe I've seen the truth, I've seen the future and I know it's going to fail. Could I have done more to make it work? So of course I've done some research on Man Blues as ever. So I found an interesting article on a website now, it irritated me a little bit that this article was about women, but the same must be true of men, aside from the fact that this quote has statistics in it. So, what are the risks of indulging in cynical attitudes? A 2009 study of more than 97,000 women showed that optimistic women had lower rates of coronary heart disease, cancer-related deaths and mortality. What? Are you telling me that optimistic people get to live longer? Now as a cynic and an experienced cynic at that, that annoys me. Why did they get to live longer? Because then it's kind of like, well, it's proving the point that I'm worrying about the right things. I'm kidding, of course. But conversely, women with the most pessimistic and cynical personalities had higher rates of these diseases and death. Now, cynicism is part of a defense posture that we take to protect ourselves. It's typically triggered when we feel hurt by or angry at something. And instead of dealing with those emotions directly, we allow them to fester and skew our outlook. Now, I completely agree with that statement from the website. However, this also applies to apathy. The old, well, we've been here before and it didn't work then approach. That's where I get my cynicism from. And I'm badging that as, well, in the meetings when people say to me, stop being so cynical, I remind them it's not cynicism, it's experience. I've seen it before. I've seen good things happen and I've seen bad things happen. But unfortunately, those triggers for the bad things have just been mentioned in this meeting. All of the things I know that lead to a poor outcome, you've just outlined. That's why I get this thing in meetings. I try really hard, genuinely try really hard to be positive and expect things to get over the line, not limp over the line, but run over the line. It's what I expect. But I'm often disappointed because it comes out 
that I was actually right. Not because I'm clever, not because I've got all this wealth of knowledge or anything like that, but just because the right things are not in place at the right time for that thing to succeed. My current stance is, okay, I look forward to seeing it working, but I reserve the right to enjoy the failure. Now, is that just schadenfreude? Or am I just not engaging with whatever it is? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid that it's going to work? Because I'm genuinely not worried about looking stupid. If I've sat there in meeting one and said, I don't think this is going to work. And then 12 months, 18 months, two years down the line, not only has it worked, but it's been a rip-roaring success. I am not going to go to somebody and go, well, that was embarrassing. And people tend not to come up to you and go, haha, told you we were right. They don't do that, certainly not in a professional environment. But I'm taking that into my private life as well. And in my reading around this subject, I read about something called the lizard brain. Now, this is the part of our brain that is focused on survival and has four needs. Familiarity, habits, control, and being right. It's quite damning when you read something like that and you think, yeah, familiarity, I've seen that before. Habits, yes, we know about that. Control, I don't necessarily have that control over some of these projects that get put to me at work or conversations I have at home. But being right, is there that self-righteousness to this cynicism slash experience that I believe I've got? Am I sitting there thinking, well, I was right last time and I was right the 15 times before that, so I'm bound to be right this 17th time? That's what worries me, because the lizard brain equates survival with our being in places and situations which feel familiar, sticking to effective habits of living and thinking, being in control of our environment, and protecting the ego. Is that what this is about? Am I swanning in there thinking, haha, I know this is going to fail, so check out how cool I am? I genuinely hope not, but I can never be certain. So let's look and see if we can find some positivity for this. I have put a URL in the episode blurb as per usual. I found a website that has given 11 steps to stop being cynical. I'm going to read them out and I do recommend you click on the link and have a look at them yourself if you are one of these people who suffers a little bit from cynicism versus experience. I do think it's something that you can perhaps convince yourself it's a good thing and end up what was the thing let me just reread it was high rates of coronary heart disease cancer related deaths and mortality as a result of thinking you know better it's not quite having an open mind it's not quite being optimistic and you know versus pessimism and closed mind it's not quite that but there is an element to it where you sort of should let yourself be surprised that something has gone well rather than expecting it to fail not necessarily teaching yourself to look forward to the success, but sort of reminding yourself, stand in the middle. Stand in the middle. It doesn't matter if it succeeds or it fails. All that matters is that you can give your all. If it fails, it fails. If it succeeds, it succeeds. And then no one can point a finger at you and suggest that you were left lacking. So, number one, admit to yourself that you are cynical. I do that already, but okay. Number two is embrace positivity. That is where I sometimes genuinely struggle. Number three, practice gratitude. Number four, breathe. Definitely. 
because you find that if you're breathing, you're not focusing on the wrong things. You might be focusing in the right place and it helps you to just sort of take a mental step back. Number five, be mindful. This is quite important because it's all about knowing your audience. Number six is to be playful, even for just five minutes every day. That I don't have a problem with. I'm often joking around having fun on larks and stuff. So that that one's okay. I've nailed number six. Number seven, really interesting, limit your news consumption. So the suggestion here is if you're taking in too much news, it can make you more cynical because what is the news? The news is always this person's died, that war has started, this thing's gone wrong here, this airplane crash, this traffic jam, it's all bad news. So if you're just absorbing bad news after bad news after bad news, it's going to affect your cynicism. It's going to make you more cynical of the world. That's a brilliant point. Thing is, I don't really do any news consumption, so number seven doesn't really help me all that much. Hopefully it works for you. Number eight, reveal your true self. No, that guy is staying in a locked box at the bottom of the ocean of my soul. Number nine is evaluate the company you keep. I understand what they're getting at with this one. The suggestion here is is that if you're surrounding yourself with negative people, you're going to absorb negativity. It's the same as when, I mean, weirdly, number 10 is spend more time with positive people. They, number nine, number ten, they kind of blend into one another because if you're always around negative people, you're going to feel negative. If you surround yourself with positive people, you kind of get swept along. And finally, number eleven is look at people's best qualities. Now, while this might not be a sort of one-size-fits-all, because I doubt it will be, there will be different reasons for you being where you are with your cynicism or your experience or both. And those factors will always be there and there's no way to get around them. But you never know, these strategies might help. Sometimes I find when I'm in those meetings and I can hear the same blah, blah, blah being spoken, I find myself sort of leaning back, not folding my arms, but putting my arms down by my side and just sitting there and let it wash over me while I look for the nugget of success that should be in that story. If I don't hear it, I voice it. I might not voice it at the time, I might voice it to my wife instead of my colleagues, who knows, but it does get voiced because sometimes things have to be said. I'm Leon Deggs, and I promise I'll try to hope for the best, but I'm still going to be planning for the worst. Thank you for listening.